everyone, and welcome to the Miriam Knight Show. My guest today is Alea Dow. Now, Alea is a sound healer, energetic practitioner, minister in the state of California, doctor of oriental medicine in New Mexico, and a licensed acupuncturist in Colorado. My goodness, she does get around. She has been an alternative healer for 20 years. Now, Alea graduated from Lewis and Clark University in Portland, yay, Portland, and earned her master's degree in oriental medicine from the Southwest Acupuncture School in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She practiced in Telluride, Colorado for seven years before moving to Santa Barbara, California, where she now serves an international clientele as a spiritual guide and sound healer. In 2001, Alea had an enlightenment experience, which enabled her to perceive other realms, hear the angelic beings, and she developed an increased empathic and clairvoyant connection. Sounds True released her Light Body Healing album in August of 2014, and her first book, Seven Cups of Consciousness, Change Your Life by Connecting to the Higher Realms, will be released this September from New World Library. I had the pleasure of reading a galley copy of this book, and I'm really excited to welcome her to the show because I think it's a fascinating book. So without further ado, welcome Alea. Thank you, Miriam. It's an honor to be here. Well, I remember we discussed your sound healing album a number of years ago, and it's fascinating to see how you have moved from sound healing to being kind of a full-blown, clairvoyant, connected person. How did that happen? Well, in as you mentioned, in 2001, I did have that enlightenment experience, and so my awareness of other realms beings, people's feelings, their thoughts, their emotions. It was like getting x-ray glasses and, um, and, and deep diving into people's experience, my experience, the experience of living consciously in a multidimensional reality. So being able to pick up information about the physical dimension, obviously, but then also having this ability to receive information from these other realms that do surround us all the time. And so it took me about five years five to seven years to really integrate that heightened awareness, that level of sensitivity while maintaining a certain level of sanity. And then over time developed these tools and concepts that I wrote about in the seven cups of consciousness. And it might sound like an overnight, I just became, you know, the the author or the sound healer, but really in truth, it's been, um, Oh, two decades, over two decades of, of slowly cultivating this awareness, these gifts, this capacity. I started off as a massage therapist, you know, when I was 20. And so working with people one-on-one and then that 2001 experience really opened it up to a whole different way of perceiving and then integrating that. Do you think that these abilities are latent in everyone? Or... I do. I do. Uh... But, but you have to want it and also the soul... There's a wisdom factor. When you have high levels of sensitivity and you haven't mastered compassion or um, patience or trust or empowerment, that level of sensitivity is going to be really, really unsettling. 
And so I think that our souls are inherently wise and only open us up to what we truly can handle. And I really focus on cultivating compassion and empowerment and connection with the essence so that as we awaken and evolve and become more sensitive, we can handle it with grace instead of being totally freaked out by it. Now, that's very interesting because I've also interviewed a lot of people who have had these sudden, almost catastrophic awakening experiences, which did indeed freak them out. And Uh it it took them time to get a handle on them. And first of all, to learn to trust it and to, to believe that it was something real and not just their imagination. Now, Working with clients, you have had sufficient opportunity to get feedback from them to give yourself the confidence that you're tapping into something real. Um, Was that a, a process that has changed for you over time? I think each time I work with somebody, I get deeper insights and gather more tools and people give me feedback of what it's like for them and then really brainstorming and having it be a collaborative process of if you're picking up on this information, how can we shift it so that it's an empowering experience instead of something that's really frightening? And when I say the average person does have these, everybody has these latent abilities deep within them, but in general, most people have a wisdom that they're not going to blow it so wide open that they literally can't handle it. There's absolutely no way to integrate it. Now, I'm not saying that that's always a graceful process. Um, and there are definitely people that I have met who have had enlightenment experiences and their awareness is just blown wide open and they weren't able to handle it. But in general, that's a fairly small number, small percentage. Um, I think most people, first of all, might not even be aware that they're spiritually growing and evolving. And then when the top comes off, they have this awareness and then they're forced to go gather the tools that can help them deal with that sensitivity. But yes, when I work with people, I definitely um, have been cultivating every single day. I learn how to help somebody with a heightened level of awareness or sensitivity from a positive, empowering perspective. Now, as a healer, you are using this intuition, this sensitivity uh, to heal other people, to to get to the root of their issues and to uh, help them manage it or, or resolve it. But you've also used this sensitivity to guide yourself in your own life. That's why, that's why these tools are so fascinating. That's also why I found your book so fascinating because you are sharing the fruit of your 20 years of (laughs) hard earned wisdom. Yeah, um, maybe longer. Um, definitely. I mean, the empathic sensitivity is really intense. You, you will feel other people's emotions and think they're yours or physically feel the pain of another person and feel like it's yours or rather mine. And so every single tool that I share with people, I too have walked that level of sensitivity or that challenge. I, I kind of think that we can't guide someone through a terrain if we haven't walked it ourselves or if we haven't at least empathically felt what's going on for that person. So I think of it as great research and a major compassion building exercise, a constant reminder of 
the level of perception of disconnection or fear that people live in if I'm empathically feeling that. So I don't get reactive to that empathic sensitivity like I used to. I really look at it as a learning experience that gives me information of then how to help somebody out of that energy and into one that is more empowered or to literally use that challenging energy to grow even stronger and more evolved. Now, you describe the, the sort of elements in your, your awareness that have helped you develop these tools. Um, you talk about your higher self. You talk about your um, uh, body diva. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about your team. Let's start with the higher self. How do we understand that? I think of the higher self as the energetic aspect of you. We are physical beings. We're having a physical experience, but there are these other dimensions where we do express ourselves. And when we recognize that we can tap into our higher self by simply acknowledging it and ask our higher self to perhaps activate the vibration of our essence or activate a vibration of empowerment or connection, there is this energetic aspect of us that starts doing that work in a higher realm and then reflecting that energy down to ourselves here in this physical. I think of the physical dimension as literally a reflection of what's happening in the higher realms. So it's shifting the awareness then making the request of that part of ourselves to get busy, start shifting, reflecting, and then we start to feel a shift. So none of the work is happening at a mind level, which is a little mind-boggling for us when in this modern world where we're constantly in the left brain reality of linear, logical, I have to be able to see it and touch it to know that it's real. And so this very first step can be a little bit of a challenge for somebody who is really anchored in that left brain um, linear way of being. One of the things that I find amusing is that you would think that if it's my higher self, it would know what I want or what I need in any given time. And sometimes those two things are diametrically opposed. And um, But you actually have to ask it, or sometimes yeah. you have to ask it very loudly. Um, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> focused. <laughs> Um, so I find it really fascinating that there is this kind of distance. It's almost like the higher self just wants um, experience, and it doesn't really have an opinion as to whether a painful experience or a happy experience is preferable, because it's all experience. So it, it, it kind of is up to us to, to sort of train it or to direct it as to what kind of experience we really want to have. Absolutely. And you're touching on like five huge concepts that I want to like dive into. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take it in nuggets. But um, so the first concept that, that I came upon mm-hmm. with the help of my guides and my memory and, and uh, this enlightenment experience was that when we're in the physical dimension, we have the ability to make a request for the energy in a higher dimension, another dimension, to shift into, ideally, greater states of coherence or connection, balance, harmony. And 
when we get into the physical body, we can literally feel empathically the energy of the higher realms reflecting down into the physical plane. Without a physical body, we can't feel the reflection. So when you're in the physical dimension, you have the ability to make a request for the energy to shift in the higher realm. When you make that request, it happens to a much deeper, greater degree, and then we feel the reflection of that energy into the physical plane. So I kind of think of it as we incarnate into a physical body, and we can literally feel where we are in our growth, our evolution. Our cards are on the table. It's incredibly obvious. All we have to do is look at our our drawers and our car or our relationships and our finances as the reflection and the indicator of, oh, I'm really connecting deeply with abundance and support deep in my core, or I don't really believe and I'm not really connecting deeply with a level of support and abundance in my core. Um, so if I'm not connecting with that abundance, then I am going to have resource issues, a lack thereof. So by having the physical dimension be this lovely, wonderful reflector, it gives us a ton of information, and we can then take that information and make requests to our higher self to shift the energy into greater abundance, greater connection, greater empowerment, and then we begin to feel that reflection in the physical plane. You know, you had this fascinating um, concept of the divine line, which is kind of the way we connect to our higher self. Give our listeners a sense of what that is. We have a river of light that flows within us, kind of like a tube or a column, and it flows right on the front of the spine. And any time we want to make a request to our higher self, we actually literally have to get online, just like if you want to send an email you have to plug yourself into the internet or connect with your wireless connection, getting online. And the easiest way to get online and get in your divine line is to take a deep breath in. Every time you inhale, you have the ability to literally pull yourself into this column of light. And then I actually like using the exhale to ground and anchor yourself into this inner river of light. The moment you bring your awareness into this inner inner river, just 5%, 10%, 50%. The more you do it, the stronger it gets. You immediately gain access to your higher self, your energy self, and you can then ask your higher self to work with your energy field, the guide, to activate particular vibrations, release issues that aren't yours, clear energy that doesn't belong to you, send information to people that you might have, information that you might have that can help them. And so by closing your eyes, Taking a deep breath in, imagine pulling yourself into that inner river of light. Invite your higher self to use your energy fields to pull all of your energy and awareness into this divine line. And imagine holding your awareness in this column, this tube. Imagine a stream of light flowing there that is your essence, that is absolutely perfect, beautiful, connected, and whole. Imagine finding every vibration, every resource, every quality you yearn for in this inner river, nowhere else. Find yourself worth in your inner river and direct connection to the light that flows within you. The more we look for our resources, what we need in our divine mind, the more connected we get, the more empowered, the more full then that energy that you're connecting with in the inner river starts reflecting into your outer world. 
So this has a totally practical use. It's not particularly esoteric. It's it's really uh, both um, the way one affects one's reality as well as the means to use in order to absolutely. affect your reality. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's the core piece. It's like step one, take a deep breath and pull yourself into that place that is connected, perfect, peaceful, calm, whole. And when we're in that place, our entire reality starts changing in a good way. I also like your visualization of getting into a glass elevator and going up and actually having a little confrontation with one's higher self. (laughs) So in the book, I do give a couple options of how to get into into that higher self state. And everybody's different in what works for them. You can hold your awareness in your divine line and immediately sense your higher self around you in the same time-space continuum. Or you can travel up your divine line. You do want to firmly attach your divine line to the front of your spine. It's sort of like anchoring onto the front of the body um, before you travel so the body doesn't feel like, wait, where's my rider going? Freaks out. (laughs) So you travel up, anchor onto the front of the spine using your higher self, your energy fields. You travel up that elevator shaft, glass elevator shaft, to your higher self. You could imagine yourself like on a penthouse floor or a cloud or an eagle soaring. And then you get a different perspective of information that you can gather. There's the timelessness, the limitlessness of resources, the energy, vitality. And so everybody's different. Some people go to the higher self just holding their awareness on the front of the spine and some people travel up. I do both. If I'm feeling really disconnected um, and really struggling and highly empathically sensitive, I will actually travel up my divine line to my higher self. If I'm pretty much in the zone and having a good, calm day, then I can feel my higher self right around me as I hold my wrist on the front of the spine. So it, it can change. Interesting. Now, the next cast of characters in this drama is the team. Tell us about the team. The team can be a little drama (laughs) on occasion, but they can also be the greatest resource and support. So I think of the team as the imaginary friends that we might have had as children. They are beings that are not fragments of you. They are their own soul, essence, energies, and they are here to help you the entire time you are in the physical world, but they're expressing themselves in another dimension. And usually teams form um, before you come into this life. They might have actually been with you for several lives. And they have similar experiences, similar agendas, uh, focal points different levels of mastery. So one of my team members is really organized. So when I have a task that requires lots of organization, I'm going to ask that that team member bubble up that level of organization inside themselves and model it to me and positively, empathically impact me. Really think of the team as this incredible buffer that can support us and model right energy to us if we start connecting with it in a more conscious way. Um, some people perceive their teams as just a group or individuals or one energy. Again, there's no right or wrong. So if you did have an imaginary friend or imaginary friend with children, they might be your team. Mm-hmm. And you can start getting them to shift their energy, hold greater states of coherence, help them evolve. 
by them shifting themselves, you're modeling it ideally to them, but making the request in the physical dimension for them to shift their energy in another dimension. And instantly they do. When we ask our team to shift into greater states of connection or empowerment or abundance or support, within two to three seconds, we should be able to empathically feel their shift. I have heard many different descriptions of one's team, but the essence of having a team is consistent. And I think what I find the most impactful aspect of that is this sense that you really are never alone. You really do have support at this other dimension. Is that the way you felt when you, well, how was it when you first felt your team? Well, after that enlightenment experience, they completely came online. It was like they were, you know, three inches from me. And I also was gifted with the angelic Bluetooth came in very handy with high levels of sensitivity. And so I could literally hear them, feel them 24-7. On occasion, I did have to ask them to be quiet, especially when I was sleeping, right? Like, (laughs) you guys, I need to sleep. Or if I was having an intimate moment with a boyfriend, I would ask them to leave the room. Um, And they did. They were very respectful of my privacy. If I was in the bathroom and I needed some privacy, I would have them leave the room. And so... It was it was a wonderful experience because I literally never felt like I was alone unless I needed to be alone and asked for my privacy. Mm-hmm. So okay, very supportive, very, very supportive, supportive. And, they, and they can be. Yeah, and and you really can ask them for whatever kind of support, information, experience you need in the moment. Absolutely. Now, a lot of the times people will come to me and they'll say, Leah, I really want to feel my guides or my team. And um, we want our team and our guides to support us so much. Like if they had a magic wand and they could support us to a certain degree, how much would we want that level of support? But here's the kicker. An angelic being in another realm, including your team, can only support you to the degree you're supporting yourself. And so if we want more support from our team, we need to cultivate more support in our own inner rivers and hold that responsibility of I am responsible for supporting myself in my inner river of light, feeling that support of that light flowing there. Then your team and your guides and other people in your life, regardless of the dimension they're in, can start reflecting back to you how you are supporting yourself. So when I wanted more support from them and more protection from them, I would then ask for that activation of that vibration to happen inside me. Mm. You mentioned quite a number of times in your book um, that you, uh, I, you are reflecting or your reality is reflecting your inner state. Yeah. Yeah. And also the energy of your team or the energy around you in other dimensions is also being reflected into your physical world and your emotional world and even your physical world, your physical body. So by cleaning up the team and getting them to hold very coherent vibrations, just their essence, loving their essence, having them hold really clean boundaries so that you don't have your mom's team hanging out on you or your dad's team or your great-grandmother's team trying to help you or judge you or control you by having them be clean and clear 
then that helps you hold clear boundaries. That's a really interesting way of understand, understanding or making sense of the uh, the concept of either attachments or the concept of of tapes that we're playing from our childhood, from our parents, from our um, antagonists, from past lives. It, it's all in the energy field, and it all has to be recognized and let go. And Absolutely. How do you do that? How do you get clear? I think of the mind, you know, what our tapes are, that word that you mentioned, the thought forms, as indicators of what's being held at an energetic level. And so to start with, if you hear a thought that is not supportive or discordant, doesn't really feel like it's you, like you want that in your field, you would first ask, where is this coming from? Is this my tape? meaning my soul essence, is this my body deva peak? And we can talk more about the body deva as a conscious, sentient nature spirit you're riding in, kind of like a horse. Or is this coming from my team or somewhere else? And so we first want to identify where that voice is coming from. As soon as we identify it, then we can address it. But if we don't identify it, it's really hard to address and then resolve. And I actually just had a client the other day who was on the table and, and she said, well, my mind just has this thought form of dot, dot, dot. And I said, well, the mind is just literally a computer screen showing us what's going on in the background. Let's address it, shift it, and then the mind reflects a different energy. And so as soon as we did the protocol, the clearing, the release, I said, okay, now see if you can find that thought form now or that emotional charge of that thought form. And she couldn't, she couldn't even bring up the thought. She's like, what, what was it? And so I had to remind mm-hmm. her and it had no resonance. And so when we start using our mind simply as an indicator, then we stop judging it and then we can start hunting and diving and clearing and, um, and clearing up the terrain. And that's one reason too why I spend a lot of time in silence of not listening to radio or TV or talking to people in my quiet time. Um, I'm listening to what's going on at a mind level so that I can keep those energy fields clean and clear. That's a question that arose in my mind when I was reading this, because we do spend time uh, in so-called entertainment, whether it's television or the movies or the news, and I don't think that our energy fields can distinguish between what is coming in through our own first-hand experience and what is coming in through simulated experience. And I think both of them have similar impacts on our energy field, uh, not necessarily to our highest benefit. Yeah, not, not always. I mean, it depends, too, on what we're engaging with, you know, what kind of music or media or books even. Um, I'll have experience as well. I'll be reading a book, like just an entertainment book, and I'll start dreaming about the characters and empathically processing some of the characters' experiences. Now, it's all a research experiment, right? Like research gathering information, building compassion for people, regardless of whether it's real or not real. And so I think that we can train our energy fields to be discerning. Is this ours? Is this someone else's? Am I processing something at a mass consciousness level? Um, And so it's just a discernment call, but then having enough time that is quiet time so that we can discern 
what truly is our essence energy compared to challenges that other people might be engaging in. You raise an interesting point when you say um, that you're empathically processing information from, you know, a show or, or a book. Um, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to experience and to process and to grow and learn. Um, but all the different ways of bringing this together into our lives and, and get a handle on it um, are so complex. And I love that you brought them together into this book. I mean, you've, you've kind of poured into these seven cups of consciousness all that experience and all that clarity of understanding. So why don't you tell us what the seven cups of consciousness are? I'd be happy to, and um, and then share kind of just like two core concepts that all of those seven, you know, culminate into. The very first concept speaks about the idea that we live in a multi-dimensional world. We have the physical plane, but then there's other dimensions that affect our reality and where we exist. The second concept talks about. Um, the idea that we are never alone. So we have a team of beings that surround us. They hold very particular vibrations. They can be a great buffer, protector, and positive, empathic um, experience for us. And then the third concept talks about being personally responsible for the reality that we create for ourselves. Um, and how every single challenge, and then the actually I have to refresh myself because I'm having, you know, when you bring in concepts and then those concepts continue to evolve. So that third concept talks about how um, our internal reality is creating our outer world and we get to be personally responsible for what we are holding inside ourselves and then what we are reflecting, how we're reacting to the energy in our outer world and our inner world. And then that fourth concept talks about how every single challenge we have can be an opportunity to grow, learn, and evolve, become stronger. And there is a core piece in the fourth concept where if we realize that what our souls are here in this world doing is cultivating very particular qualities, vibrations in our divine line. So I might expose myself to coffee or to drama or challenge or upset or beautiful experiences of joy and pleasure, all to get a very particular vibration activated in my divine mind. And so that fourth concept just has that central point to it. The fifth concept talks about how we are in a human body that I think of as a nature spirit that has its own unique consciousness and it too is going through its own evolution. And the more that we hold a space for our body to evolve, the more empowered it gets, the happier it gets, the more it can manifest and create because it is of this world. Sixth concept talks about how your soul has grown and evolved over lifetimes and that you've cultivated a certain amount of wisdom and mastery, inner gifts, inner vibrations. And those can be a huge resource to you, your greatest support and your greatest protector. And we ideally want to be using our gifts on ourselves, for ourselves, and modeling that in the world. And that takes us out of being the codependent server or codependent individual in relationships into a co-creative one. 
And then the seventh concept, my favorite, is you are perfect. There is a river of light that flows within you. We talked about the divine line. And when you connect with that divine essence aspect of yourself, you start radiating that to a greater degree, being in greater coherence with who you truly are. Those are the seven concepts. I find that um, I, I particularly resonated with change your inner world. Because so often we feel powerless in the face of the onslaught of reality, of things that are happening to us. We go into this kind of victim mentality. And it's by making that internal switch that we are not victims, that we are actually the designers of our experience and that we can choose to experience things differently by reflecting them from the inside out that we move into the power yeah it is it's a huge piece that that third cup that i sort of bobbled for a moment there (laughs) when i was explaining the concept but um that's the hardest one to actually um really wrap our our heads around and begin to do because we can get so bogged down by the challenges and get so focused on the outer and um, the shift is to really take it internally of okay so I've got this financial struggle where am I not connecting with my deep inner resources or everyone's rejecting me where am I rejecting my own light that flows within me and when we make that shift it all starts to change Now, the concept that I found a little challenging to understand was the idea of this body diva. Um, Tell us about that. The body diva is 80% water. The planet is 80% water, at least if you're hydrated. Ideally, the body is 80% water. And there's minerals and air, the elements of this earth literally make up your physical human form. And when I have my enlightenment experience, I was, it was very, very obvious, my conscious awareness that I hold as a soul when I'm not in a human body, and then having the awareness of my river of light, soul essence, on the front of my spine, and then literally feeling a nature spirit around me that had a completely different consciousness, much more primal, all about survival, getting the physical body's needs met. And over time, it actually took me several years to get my body, David, to even acknowledge me or acknowledge itself. And every day I would wake up and say, morning, body, Deva. How are you? And I could sort of see her very quietly in the background, but not really engaging. And then over time, my body, David, did start to engage with me and have conversations. And now it's kind of like having two voices. One is mine, and then one is what my body needs, what my body wants, her level of evolution. And it's not disassociation, because I really checked in with that for several years to make sure that it wasn't disassociation. And then the more I work with my clients, the more I recognize that the body has its own unique consciousness. And when it gets recognized and it starts evolving in its own unique way, ah, the body gets really happy and it starts cultivating greater degrees of self-love, greater self-control, personal responsibility, empowerment. And um, we will over-identify ourselves with our body. That is just something that, that naturally happens. We literally think we are our human form. 
And the more we bring our awareness into our divine line, river of light on the front of our spine and start identifying ourselves as a beam of light, the easier it will then become for the body to recognize its own unique essence. You did mention that the body um, has its own divine line that goes through the spine, and then the essence of us um, is in front of the spine, and that they do connect and they do have dialogue through the chakras. How does that work? Yeah. So the body, as you mentioned, that body David divine line literally runs through the spinal cord in the spine, in that hole, um, around the vertebra. And the chakras are the reflection of the light of the soul divine line on the front of the spine and the divine line of the body deva. If the divine line of the soul is lifting, bubbling off the front of the spine at a particular area on the front of the spine, it will negatively impact that chakra. That chakra will be closed or congested. Information, energetic information and light is not seamlessly passing back and forth between these two divine lines. And so any part of the body that is struggling physically with with, um, pathology, we would want to check the attachment of that divine line of that soul to make sure that it is firmly attached to the front of the spine and there are open lines of communication between these two rivers of light. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it's a, it's a very intriguing way of visualizing it. And uh, how you, you actually posit that the body deva has its own higher self. And then we have our higher self, and then we get our higher self to talk to the body deva's higher self. It's like my people will speak with your people. It, it, it's... <laughs> Exactly. Um, a, a bit a bit challenging to wrap one's mind around. Um, how do you actually get the kind of integration or collaboration that you want? Well, you get to think about how you want to be inside yourself. So do you want to treat yourself with a certain amount of respect or love or have there be a gentleness flowing deep within you? And so when you think about the primary relationship you want to have with your own essence, get that clear, and then you begin to activate that, asking your higher self to use your energy fields to activate those vibrations in your own divine line. Then you could use your crystal elevator shaft and travel up to your higher self. And then you can ask your higher self to connect with your body data at the level of its higher self. The body has its own energetic aspect, just like you do. Your body, on the other hand, though, is physical, whereas you're not. You are a soul, essence, etheric being having an empathic experience in a human body, but you're just a beam of light. Your physical body is physical, and it also has an energy self to it. So you ask your higher self to connect with the energetic aspects of your body, Dave, and you start allowing for that connection, that communication relay of appropriate information to happen between your higher self and your body, David's higher self. And you will begin to feel a deeper level of connection happening as it gets reflected to you here in this physical plane. If you want to have a particular uh, relationship with your body, you would first feel your relationship that you're having with your essence, 
then you would invite your body, Deva, to start connecting with itself in a deeper, more connected, respectful, loving way. And then as you're holding it inside yourself in your inner river, your body, Deva, is connecting with itself in its inner river and at the level of its higher self in that way, then the two of you can begin reflecting this energy that you are holding inside yourself upon each other. We can never ask somebody to treat us with respect if we're not respecting ourselves. Really, this is a little heresy, but it's not your job to love your body. It's your job to love your river of light. It's your body David's job to love itself. And as it loves itself, its light that flows in its own divine mind, then you start reflecting this beautiful self-love upon each other into the physical form, into the energetic fields that are overlapping. So when you have multiple lifetimes, do you get the same body deva? From my perspective, yes. But there might be people that have a different perception of that. Um, I have memory of riding in my body in different forms. She was not always in a human form, right? Like she's been a, a lion before or a whale before. And we have memory of... I have memory of riding in her in different forms. And then eventually she evolved into human form. And now we're having this experience. So there were memories in different forms that are held in the body. So if people have back pain, sometimes it seems, well, the back pain came from a previous incarnation when you were riding in your body, Deva, and your body, Deva, had this experience in the form of a bear where it injured its back or whatever it might be. And so... That's my perspective, but that's everybody's unique journey of how they perceive their body deva and their story and their history with their body mm-hmm. deva. And how they make sense of, of all of these um, elements and interconnections. You yeah. have some very, uh, really easy to follow and um, I think profound protocols uh, to within the book after each cup of consciousness and, and it kind of leads the reader by the hand through them. Um, describe the, the protocols and the reference points. I think of a protocol as like a full working prayer and there are seven steps to a protocol. The very first step actually speaks to the first concept. We live in a multidimensional reality. And the second concept you're never alone. So we are, with a protocol, inviting your higher self to work with your energy field to connect with a particular vibration like empowerment or deeper connection with the essence. And then you're asking that energetic aspect of you to activate those vibrations in the higher realms and then begin to reflect them into this world. You're also then inviting your body to the nature spirit to activate those vibrations at the level of its higher self and its divine line. You're inviting your team to do that as well. So we want to get all three of those energies. I think of that as like the sacred trinity. Higher self, body do with higher self, team, to activate a very particular vibration in the divine line and at the level of the higher self. Then the part that is the magic part, where you wait, you take a deep breath, can't do this work with the mind. We let go. We let our higher selves, our body do with higher selves, our team, work with the energetic fields to activate the vibration of connection with the essence of you, the essence of your body, Deva, and your team are connecting with their essence. And we wait. 
And then as that work happens in the higher realms, it begins to reflect into this one. And then we begin to feel that shift around us, within us. Maybe a greater sense of calm, or the body takes a big, big, deep breath, or the head moves. And then, after that protocol, that shift, you always want to update your reference points. I think of it as tapping the fuel gauge, resetting the fuel gauge. Now I am at this vibration. I want to reference point myself at this new frequency so I don't perceive myself from two minutes ago or five minutes ago. I want to perceive how I am right now as I move forward. So updating the reference points, the ways in which we perceive and are perceived, so that other people are also updating us at a new level. And then at the end of a meditation or a protocol, we ask that you're wrapped in sheets of rainbow light, gently sealing the vibrations in. And never at any point in any of the protocols or the meditations that I do am I doing anything to someone. Their higher self is doing the work to the degree that's appropriate for them. Then we actually hold the work at a much deeper level because we did it to ourselves. And I'm a bit of a purist. I really believe that our higher selves have the ability to shift us in the way that totally works for us. Then we stay empowered with the work. We do it in our own unique way as opposed to doing it in a way that might work for someone else that doesn't work for us. So that's kind of an overview of a protocol. I think it's a generally accepted um, verity amongst the healing community that all healing is self-healing. But you have to um, really get past the internal barriers that are preventing you from accepting that healing into your own reality, into your own energy field. And uh, the, the meditations that you give are beautifully done. Your, your uh, combination of, of the sound healing and the, the vibrations of your voice are are very evocative. I, I think our listeners got a taste of it earlier as you were uh, talking about uh, how actually to connect with our higher self. So uh, your book has links to 11 downloadable audio meditations. How are they best used? I would use those meditations as you read the chapter. So the very first chapter talks about connecting with your higher self and using this other dimension to shift your reality. And so by really going in, a, in, a, in order, it will make the most sense. The seventh cup talks about connecting with the essence um, and that divine line. But over the chapters, over those seven chapters, you're practicing coming into your divine line and every single one of those meditations so it gets stronger and stronger and then we're slowly building those concepts into the meditations so that the energy fields can really handle it in a balanced way. So I would just go meditation by meditation as it's introduced in the chapters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so would you see or feel any benefit just after a single chapter or do you really need to get all the way through to the end? No, I think everybody's um, at a different point in their evolution and some people might pick up the book and go, I only want to know about this, this concept about my body day, about being a nature spirit. And it would work. 
Or I only want to learn how to change the vibration that's flowing in my divine line. I'm just going to pick up the second concept. And so I think really honoring the process and what you're called to, obviously, if you, you know, read it from the beginning, it might make a little bit more sense. Um, but really honoring the intuition of how you're being guided to experience the work. Do you think everyone can learn how to use their energy field? Absolutely. It's inherent. It's there. It's like you've got the car in the garage. All you have to do is pull it out. So how would people, for example, shift their lives towards happiness and abundance? Okay, that would be um, bringing your awareness into your divine mind. You would take a deep breath in. Like your life depends on it, pull yourself into your inner river. Get in there. Use the exhale to anchor yourself into that divine line. And then just imagine being in this inner river on the front of the spine as much as you possibly can. And then as you're in that inner river, simply make the request, I ask my higher self to work with my energetic fields and the guides to activate the vibration of support, joy, fulfillment, and strength in my divine line. Keep holding your awareness in your river, in your inner river. You imagine some energetic aspect of you working in the higher realms with your higher self, your energy field. Swirling colors, vibrations, sounds, shapes that all carry those qualities. Your higher self is immersed in those qualities, activating those qualities in your divine line. Holding that in the inner river. Until you start to feel little ripples, you sense a flow of joy, support, fulfillment, strength, like an inner abundance flowing in the inner river on the front of the spine. Then you invite your body, the nature spirit, to do the same using its higher self, its energy fields. You're modeling that energy to your body. You invite your team to activate those same vibrations in their own divine line. So all three of you, you, your body, and team are holding those vibrations. And you hold that, ideally, for two and a half minutes a day. Update your reference points on ways in which you perceive. Look for your support, your joy in your inner river, nowhere else. Pretend the outer world's not going to give it to you. Get it inside. As you get it inside, feel it inside begins to reflect into the outer world. You can also invite your higher self or imagine your higher self engaging in those vibrations in a higher plane. Same for your body and your team. And then that dimensional reality is beginning, begins to reflect into this one. So it becomes inevitable. If you're connecting it with it, if you're connecting with those vibrations internally and in the higher realms, it will be inevitable. The only variable is time. When will it? start to show up in the physical plane. The good thing is, is that coherent energy, positive energy, um, positive high vibration energy like joy, support, empowerment is much more coherent than fear, anger, and loss, which means coherent energy manifests much more quickly in our outer world than discordant energy. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, lucky for us. <laughs> right. 
So, um, you know, somebody holding fear inside them might take them 5, 6, 10, 20 years to manifest a fearful reality. Someone who is holding a really empowered, joyful stance, it might take them two weeks to manifest that in their outer reality. Yeah, that's pretty good news. Uh-huh. And it really does reinforce things that we have heard from many other sources, but it gives a different interpretation of how that actually happens, the mechanism by which we um, feel it inside first, and then that reflects out into our reality. So um, you have some uh, a book circle that you're going to be starting shortly. Tell us about that. I am. I'm so excited about it. So I'm going to be doing... Um about a month after the release, I'm going to do and a And the, the release is in September, is it? Yeah, September 15th, 2015. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm going to do is a month after the release, I'm going to do a live and recorded tele-webinar. And people will be able to ask me questions about each chapter. So the first book circle will be, we'll be covering the first chapter, the second book circle, the second chapter, and we'll do this for actually 14 weeks, every two weeks, so we'll cover all of the chapters. Um, I'd have to be like 16 weeks because chapter 8 talks about empathic sensitivity, which is a whole component in and of itself, and um, it will be a time where people can go deeper into the concepts get answers to their questions that come up. There's so many layers with these concepts that there's no way that, you know, I can relate all of the information in one chapter. It's almost like a book could be the first concept and then the second book could be the second concept. But I really wanted to just do a basic introduction to these concepts and then provide a space where people can connect at a deeper level with the concepts and the work in this. Um, it'll be included if you purchase the book. It's free. Doesn't, and then it'll be recorded so people can then access the archives of it with the online resources uh, years from now. You know, if they book, buy the book five years from now, they'll still be able to access all of the Q&A book mm-hmm. circle that we did. That is so cool. That's like having a book study group directly with the author yeah. going right to the source. Hi, um, Alea. Tell us your website. It is cupsofconsciousness.com, and that will give people the option to check out a sample meditation, sign up for a free week of the daily cups, and then another website that I have that has the bulk of all of the material that I present is aleadao.com. A L E Y A. D-A-O dot com. And the um, Daily Cups of Consciousness is kind of a, a, a service that you provide. Tell us what that is. Yeah, the Daily Cups are audio meditations that are 7 to 10 minutes long, and they speak to the concepts, these seven concepts, but they also speak to the energetic weather that's coming onto the planet every day. So some days it's energetically sunny, some days it's raining. And I bring in pieces that can help people move into greater degrees of balance and clarity, empowerment, relief blocks. And I think I've recorded something like 1,300 meditations so far that have been delivered to subscribers five days a week, three days a week, depending on what kind of subscription people want. Um, you can choose. 
so those daily cups are precious little pearls with bits of information and short protocols that can help the energy fields get stronger, clearer, lighter, and brighter. Your cosmic weather report. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what would you hope that your readers will walk away with after reading your book? I think empowerment and clarity would be the two pieces of really bringing more and more awareness into that part of them that is absolutely perfect and whole and connected all the time. And when we start, when people start connecting with their essence at a deeper level, they start loving themselves to a deeper degree and then being able to hold that same energy with others in their lives. So I would say that it would be cultivating greater degrees of empowerment, self-love, connection, and then being able to model that in the world. And in the New Age community, spiritual community, we get so attached to what's going on in the outer world, what other people are doing. And I really believe that each one of us has the capacity to positively, empathically impact others in a really powerful way. But the only way for us to do it, from my perspective, is to be 100% attached, desiring, and responsible for our own reality, no one else's. When we are 100% attached to connecting with our own light, loving it, respecting it, then we create a positive field of empathic sensitivity as opposed to wanting someone else to be respectful or in integrity or clean up the planet. We get to do it, and then we positively impact millions and millions of people by simply holding that vibration deep in our core. So that that is my hope, is that people will move into greater degrees of um, energetic integrity and really modeling the vibrations that they carry and that they have mastered deep in their core. Well, I can only echo that because, as Gandhi said, uh, we, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. That's the only way change is going to happen. So, is there a final thought you'd like to share? Yes. When we are the change that we wish to see in the world, when we are only attached to our own reality and responsible only for our own reality and then able to model it, our level of empathic reactivity decreases a hundredfold. So, we start to feel our essence, our peace, and our calm to a much greater degree than the struggle and the challenge around us. And my sense is that the audience listening are light workers. They are the people that are kind of on the beginning of the wave that the planet is, has been immersed in for a while now. And we really do want to be modeling the energy. And so holding the light within will not only improve the planet, but also improve your own personal life. We have been speaking with Alea Dow, the author of Seven Cups of Consciousness, Change Your Life by Connecting to the Higher Realms. Her website is cupsofconsciousness.com or aleadao.com. That's A-L-E-Y-A-D-A-O dot com. Alea, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Miriam. And thank you all for listening. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. I hope you'll visit our website, ncreview.com, where you'll find lots more interviews, book and film reviews, and our exciting multimedia magazine. That's New Consciousness Review at ncreview.com. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.